You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on today's podcast. We are going to finish the interview. This is part two of the interview with myself and James Rapine. Part one was on Friday, just in case you haven't seen it or haven't heard it already. Check out Friday's episode of James and I beginning this conversation, and today... We're finishing it. But before we jump in, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Check us out on Twitter, at LockedOnReds, and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And say the LockedOnReds line number into your phone, 513-549-0159. Questions, comments, questions about anything. The Reds offseason, you know, what, what my favorite color is. Uh, it's red, by the way. Not to spoil that one, but, you know, just all kind of good stuff on there. 513-549-0159. Now, here is the conclusion of the interview between myself and former host of the podcast and now Cleveland sports beat reporter, James Rapine. Tell me this, if the Reds win the World Series next year, do we care what the farm system looks like? Correct, and I, I get what you're saying there, and you're absolutely right. Like, like if if you're the Reds and you plan on going out and making a big free agency acquisition, whether it's a, and we mentioned it before you hit record, but whether it's Anthony Rendon or whether it's um, any of those type of players, those high end type of outfielders, then that's fine. But you're probably gonna have to make another move or two. The Reds aren't just an outfielder away. Right. right. You know, you get a full season of Bauer. So I love that. I love their, their rotation with Castillo, obviously, as well. Um, one through three, they're, they're pretty solid there, right? You like the bullpen. Um, overall, I would say that, that, that you like the bullpen. But can you add more to it? So to me, even if you go get Rendon, if I'm the Reds, I, I'm looking at making another move, i.e. Lindor, i.e. someone like that. And I'll give you a name. I, I'd be on the phone with Boston. I'd be on the phone with Boston and I would just see, cause I, I keep hearing and I listen to the Bill Simmons podcast a lot. And he's obviously diehard Boston through and through. He's talked about multiple times how he doesn't think they're going to pay Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. That would be my target. If I could somehow get Mookie Betts, that would be my guy. It wouldn't be. And I like Frankie. I think Mookie Betts is overall a better player. And I know he had a little bit of a down year last year. I, I would try to go get Mookie if I could, if I'm the Reds now we're crazy here. We're talking hypotheticals, but if it's, if it's a hundred green centered package to get one of those top stars in the game and the Reds obviously plan on going for it and winning in 2020, then, uh, then you do it. Absolutely. You do it. And, and you think about the future uh, as far as prospects and things like that later, uh, be, because at some point you do got to go for it. You've been rebuilding now for six years, right? Yeah. It, last year felt like it was a, such a, a solid year and you were under 500 some point they got to get over that hump and i think that their success that they had last year kind of sets them up for a uh to, to make a run this year in 2020 
And you mentioned Mookie Betts, and he's been a guy that I have seen his name getting bandied about a little bit. Where, uh, let's let's do a little ranking with Mookie Betts, uh, Francisco Lindor, Anthony Rendon, and we'll even throw Yasmani Grandal in there. Obviously, talent-wise, we understand where all of those four players kind of sit in ranking-wise, but how would you rank them based on talent and fit for the Reds to go out and get, and also, you know, cost to get them? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the tough part because you're talking about there was that report, and who knows if it's actually true, but it probably is true, right? That Anthony Rendon turned down a $300 million deal from the Nationals. Yeah. So is he worth 325 Is he worth 350 You know, are you do you, as the Reds, want to lock yourself into another contract like that right now with a player that hasn't even been in your organization? Like, part of the reason why I like the Bauer deal is – they really get to, to vet him. And it's not like they're just signing him after a couple meetings. They get they get him for half a year, and then they get him for this year, and they can really see, hey, we're going to go pay him, or we're going to extend him, or we can deal with his little intricacies of his game and the things that – his flaws and the things that people don't really like and griped about in Cleveland. So to me, that's the tough part with a guy like Rendon is, are you really going to break the bank? And, and you – Fans might be saying yes, but are you really going to break the bank for someone you're not familiar with when you could go after Betts, who I think is a better player, go after Lindor, who, again, I think is a better player. But we're splitting hands here. All three are are significant upgrades. But you could do that, but then you also have to give up prospects and high-end prospects and and players that uh, you've kind of built your future around, the Hunter Greens, the potential Nick Senzels, et cetera. So what I would do... Um, if I'm the Reds, I, I would certainly be on the phone looking to make deals. But you have to do multiple moves. So it, it's it's much easier. It, like, I'm a big NBA fan, and, and I love trades, and I love it, like a, a adding in free agency and all this stuff. Right. And one thing the Clippers did in the offseason, they, they signed Kawhi Leonard. But the only way they could sign Kawhi Leonard is if they traded four first-round picks and a few other things and a couple were unprotected for Paul George. And that's how they convinced Kawhi Leonard. So they basically traded all that for both, for the duo. If you're the Reds, maybe that's how you look at it. Hey, we're going to give up all of this capital to get Francisco Lindor, or we're going to give up all this capital to get Mookie Betts. But it's going to help us land one of these other top free agents. And suddenly we're going to transform from a, an okay team, a borderline 500 team, to a legitimate contender in the National League Central. So that's how I would view it. I think it needs to be more than one move, obviously. Um, And splash moves, if done the right way, can work. I hate one in baseball. Oh, the splash move doesn't work. Bryce Harper doesn't work. Well, the Phillies were flawed still, and and I wouldn't have paid Bryce Harper that type of money. But I would invest in Lindor long-term. I would invest in Mookie Betts long-term. I would consider maybe not $350 million, signing uh, Rendon long-term. So that's uh, that's certainly something uh, that the Reds have had discussions about, I guarantee it, and will continue to do so, and I'm sure there'll be uh, landing meetings with multiple free agents this offseason. Man, that is – and I have seen the, the argument, like talking about the Phillies shelling out for Bryce Harper as to why the Reds shouldn't shell out for somebody, but it's like the, the Phillies – didn't have the pitching staff that the Reds have. And I know that there's been 
complaints about the bullpen, people wondering about the bullpen next year. But I think part of the reason that the bullpen struggled in the second half is because it was used so much during the first half. And I know that the inning numbers on some of the guys weren't crazy, but the appearances, the number of times that they got up in the bullpen, the number of times that they were brought into the game early, really weighed on him because David Bell managed each game like it was Game 7 of the World Series from March 29th. And and you really, I think he learned that he can't do that next year, and he'll he'll understand that. But with that token, like if you go after, you shell out to get these hitters, you're bringing them into a situation where they've already got the pitching, and they're ready to go with mm-hmm. that. And I, I agree. I think, man, <laughs> if you're telling me, if, if we're sitting here on opening day and we've got a lineup that includes Mookie Betts and Anthony Rendon or some combination of those guys, oh, man. I might be buying playoff tickets. Yeah, and the, the the one concern, and this is this is why I would be more likely to sign Lindor long term or uh, Betts or anything. Rendon's twenty nine, and you're talking about an infielder, second, third infielder is twenty nine. Usually, we see those guys drop off in about three or four years. Right. You know, so Francisco Lindor's twenty five right now. So there is that, too, that you need to weigh. And I think that that's something the Reds, they have to get it right, because if they don't and they just go spend money blindly and go pay, give Rendon a blank check, well, then in 2025, that could really hurt. Or 2024, that could really hurt. And it could become much worse than any Joey Votto deal that people say is weighing down the organization. It could be paying Brandon Phillips at 33 years old, 34 years old, Twenty-five, thirty million dollars per, or more than that even. So he is great, but you got to be leery of the years. And I think that's something every baseball team should be leery about at this stage. I mean, these ten-year deals, I'm okay with paying a lot of money, forty million per. Right. But ten years makes no sense to me. I, I, it just doesn't. And at some point, baseball needs to figure that out. Like the, the Bryce Harper deal, he took less on average per year, but it's a thirteen-year contract. What? Yeah, it, it's just insane to me. I would much <laughs> rather you pay pay your two hundred fifty million over the next six years for your prime years than three hundred thirty million over your, your your next thirteen because you're going to suck for half of them and wear our organization down. And even though it lightens the load over the next couple of years, the back end of that deal is going to be painful. Right, and that's something that we've talked about with Joey Votto. It's like people are complaining that the the Reds overpaid for him. It's like no, they didn't overpay for him. It's just now is when the credit card bill comes due and they have to pay that off for the next four years. When you look at a deal like that, maybe that's a something that the front office says, okay, we're going to sign a guy whose average annual value contract is probably going to be greater than Joey Votto, but we're not going to be stuck with him for longer than we need him to be. Because if you sign a guy, Lindor, for a five-year deal and he starts to decline in year three and you recognize that, you can still trade him. It's not, well, all right, it's year three of a 10-year deal. Like Teams are going to see decline. That's why they can't trade Joey Votto is that they see the decline, but then they're like, well, we're trading for him, and we're still going to have him for four, five, six years. So we're not really going to deal that much for him. And I think I'm with you there. Like if, if they could tone it down with the years and just shell out the money because I'm of the mind. The teams have the money. The team's got the con- the TV contracts. They've got all that different stuff, money from the league coming in. They've got the money to do it. 
just do it. And then, yeah. uh, but but that's a you know we can go on for a while on the philosophy with that because we on ourselves are not involved in the process with the front office. But I do want to transition just for a moment because Eugenio Suarez was named the best Venezuelan-born player of the year. He got the Luis Aparicio Award. Luis Aparicio was the only Venezuelan Hall of Famer right now. And with him getting the award over Ronald Acuna and guys like that, I kind of had this thought, and I know maybe you've got a different thought on this, but I think, as of right now, Suarez is the face of the Reds. Am I wrong in thinking that? He's their best player. <laughs> so, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. And by the way, that goes against the, the whole let's go get a, let's go get Rendon. And I know he can play second, but you got Suarez locked up long term. Heck, and that's the other thing. You call the Indians, they might say, give me Suarez. And I, obviously the Reds would say no to that. But that's, it's just one of the things there. But yeah, I, he's there. I mean, 49 home runs. I was hoping it would get to 50. Just um, wrong way. I'm just, I'm amazed at how good he's become. Like, it's it's insane to me. Like, a couple of years ago, Eugenio Suarez, we wouldn't even consider him one of the, like, oh, he's starting at third. You know, right. uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see from him and, and what he's blossomed into. And they signed him. At, that's the best move that Dick Williams and this Reds team has made. And they've made oh. some decent moves, by the way, through this rebuild, moves that I've liked. But by God, getting him... In exchange for what was the uh, what was the pitcher's name? <laughs> Alfredo Simon. Alfredo Simon. That's what I thought. I thought it was Alfredo Simon. I'll get my trace back, backwards <laughs> there. But yeah, Alfredo Simon, who ended up being on the Reds the very next year, and he was awful. And Alfredo's good, but the pitcher isn't. I would love some chicken Alfredo right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it uh, it's insane. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think he's their best player. I think he might be their best player. Even if they go out and get one of these guys, you know, certainly Grandal, he's better than him. And I, I, yeah. I question that fit a little bit, depending on how much you're going to pay. Um, but yeah, you, you team him up with a, a Lindor. That, how about that left side of the infield or uh, a Rendon? I mean, that would be that'd be a lot of fun. So Eugenio uh, Suarez, I, I'm just I'm still stunned that he's as good as he is, and I'm bummed uh, to be quite honest that I didn't get to watch him more because I only got to watch a couple of the their games and listen to a couple of their games this year, obviously being in Cleveland. So it, uh, it good for him though. I mean, he's, uh, he's a stud and, uh, the Reds need that and they're moving in the right direction. And I hope they can find the, the right, push the right buttons this off season to become much more than just, uh, you know, just a 500 team and, and be much more than that and be in the playoffs this time next year. Absolutely. And, and Dick Williams doubled down on that move for trading Simon for him. And then, signs him to a seven-year deal. I mean, he, he is under contract, and there's even a team option for 2025, but he's he's under contract for like five, six more years, and he's very cost-effective. Very cost-effective. And, so. and, and that is that is the blueprint, though. Right. Like, we talk about the Reds going out and getting these guys, these established stars, and that's great. But if you're going to succeed in a mid-market, you know, and, and – Cleveland, they've done it, and they've had more success than the Reds doing this. They did it with Jose Ramirez. You pay them early, and then you get a bargain. You identify the talent. Hey, he's got it. He's getting paid. He's got it. He's getting paid. And then, like Suarez, heck, I'm looking at a 
I'm in my office right now. I'm looking at a Eugenio Suarez, two different bobbleheads of his <laughs> from a couple of years ago, long before, by the way, he was as good as he is now. Right. Um, but, but the, uh, the, the thing is, is if you do that, then it gives you the flexibility to go out and pay a, a player or two in the Joey Votto of the world. They don't hold you down. The contracts don't hold you back. So I think that's the key. And, and you hope that Dick Williams seeing that success with Suarez, he sees that and he's, uh, he's able to keep that going. Cause I think that's, that's really the key to unlocking the Reds potential or any mid market, uh, their potential as an organization by paying guys early, not waiting till their the final year, you know, where Trevor Bauer is right now, uh, where Francisco Lindor is going to be in a couple of years. It's tough to pay him then. If you pay him early and the, uh, the Indians, by the way, try to lock up Lindor. He was, he was too smart for that. He was like, no, no, I'm going to get paid. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So I, I think that's, uh, that's certainly a, the key to success in, in today's baseball in this day and age. Four out of six of his seasons have been above average, according to the OPS Plus stat. In fact, the last two years, he's been over 130. In 2018, he was 136, and in 2019, 134. Just Suarez is phenomenal. I'm so glad he's locked up. Well, James, man, I appreciate your time, dude. And uh, real quick before we go, just a, a quick plug. I know the Cavs started their season in not the best of ways last night, but uh, how do you look at them going forward as the only professional basketball team in the state of Ohio? Yeah, I mean, they're rebuilding. It's going to be tough. I really like John Beeline as a coach. Um, I think Darius Garland, he's a baby. I mean, he's 19 years old, but he's he's a stud. I mean, he's got a ton of talent. So it's just, it's going to be going to be painful. You know, it's going to be painful if you're a Cavs fan to, to watch this year, especially where they were just a couple of years ago, battling in the finals year in and year out. Um, but I, I will say this, just from, and I started covering the team in December, last December, to now with, with John Beeline and with the hires they've made, the culture feels much different. And I was talking about the blueprint of, of winning in a, uh, a mid-market. The blueprint in the NBA of winning in a mid-market is having a great culture, great coaching, and, and winning despite not having the top stars because you're very rarely going to have those. And I think that starts with culture. The San Antonio's of the world, obviously they ran into Duncan, but, and that led to titles. But they're a great culture regardless. They're a great culture before and after. The Pacers, uh, I think they have that. So, there are teams that have it. The Raptors, even post-Kawhi, have that. Um, so, so I think that that's what the Cavaliers are working on now more than anything. And there'll be a couple more lottery picks. There'll be a lottery pick that joins them next year. And uh, and they'll continue to develop this thing. I think they're going to get it turned around. And John Beeline's the guy. It's just going to take a little time as they uh, accumulate talent and start to trade off some of these veterans who are free agents at the end of the year. Well, James, I appreciate it, man. And, um, I mean, hey, it's easy to watch the Cavs are on the same channel as the Reds are, so there you go. But yeah. uh, thanks Fox for – Ohio, no doubt. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for coming on the show, dude, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you.